There are no strangers here, only friends we haven't met yet. People who wonder whether the glass is half empty or half full miss the point. The glass is refillable. Never trust a brilliant idea unless it survives the hangover. If you're lucky enough to be Irish, you're lucky enough. Irish pubs are the suburban mom's powder room of the restaurant world. You can count on at least one slogan on the walls, plus some vintage art, maybe old ads or signage or family photos you assume to be of the owner's ancestors. Dark wood, moody lighting. It's pretty formulaic. Not to say many of these establishments didn't come into this aesthetic on their own, especially the older ones, but there is an interior design company specializing in designing Irish pubs. They do it around the world. It's just a Google search away. There's one Irish pub just off King's Highway at Shaw in South St. Louis, across the entrance to the hill, where upon first glance you expect it to fit the formula. I'm John Parker, so I've taken over uh, being the GM and owner of O'Connell's Pub. And when you walk in, it kind of does. My ex-wife, uh, her family is from Ireland, um, and her cousin was in town, and he sat down and he said, yeah, this is the kind of pub I came to the United States to get away from. <laughs> like, yeah, this is an authentic Irish pub, and uh, all right, thanks for bringing me here. That's a quote you can put on the wall. That's good. That's actually pretty good. The beer is cold. The soups are hot. The burgers are perfectly grilled and seasoned every time. As owner John Parker likes to say, for the customer, nothing changes. Not since they opened at their current location nearly a half century ago. Even then, the building was historic. He says it all comes down to their favorite slogan. No references to Irish drinking here, but it's still pretty perfect. It's just anybody who behaves in a civilized manner is welcome in my establishment. And that's the creed here, and that's never going to change. Even when everything else in the world does. Today on Abbey Eats St. Louis, we're sitting down at O'Connell's Pub, the legendary South City spot that's familiar, quirky, and after five months shut down during the pandemic, back open, and they say, here to stay. There's no option. It's this place needs to be here. So I'm gonna do it for about 20 years and then see what happens. The unexpected routes and unplanned paths that have kept O'Connell's on the map, how two generations of Parkers have now fallen into running the place, and why, as he carries on the family tradition, John's okay making a few enemies. I've been called a fascist and a communist. I'm sorry. So I'm either a fascist or a communist, but I can't be both. <laughs> we'll tell you why you want to be on his good side, plus your food news and weekend planner. The building that's housed O'Connell's pub since 1972 used to be somewhere else, right up against the street back when it was an Anheuser-Busch pub built in 1905. And O'Connell's pub itself used to be, somewhere else, Gaslight Square, the stretch of Olive Street near Boyle that was like a little bohemian arts and music oasis back in the day. A handful of non-Irishmen liked the pub concept and decided to open O'Connell's. Jack Parker was a regular. In many ways, Jack, who's John's dad, is the star of this story. But Jack's mom is the character who set it all in motion. I mean, my dad was always really frugal. And, you know, he got that from his mom. So his, his mom started working at a shirt company when she was 11 in St. Louis, in South City. And um, she went to night school to learn how to be a bookkeeper. When she was in her early 20s, had a car. So that was, I mean, you think about that for a second. Like, my dad 
was born in 1937. So if you're a woman in the 1930s who had bought her own car, you, you know, you were more successful than most. Wow. So um, she was bright and she became essential to the shirt factory for all the books and finances and that afforded her a good salary. And so this is the woman that when my dad in 1965 decided he wanted to buy a bar, you know, after selling cars on South Kings Highway and working in horse stables, you know, cleaning stall. My dad always loved horses and so he, he was like a he was like a grunt in the horse stable <laughs> um, and, and Fairmont and because he loved horses. Interesting. So like he didn't have a lot of direction, you know, he went to a semester of college, you know, dropped out um, and was selling cars on South Kings Highway and hanging out in Gaslight Square and eventually started working at O'Connell's Pub and eventually said, hey, I want to, I think I want to buy this pub. They want to sell it. And so then my, he was very lucky that my grandmother was there to say, all right, Jack, I'm going to do the books. Mm. So she did the books and the place was successful with her making sure the money was right and him being really, a really well-liked, well-respected guy in Gaslight Square. Um, and so in 1972, it was obvious they had to move. Dad visited this building, liked it, but felt like he couldn't afford it. So I'd like to buy it, but I can't. And his mom said, actually, you can't. I, she's like, I have an emergency fund, and you can buy that building. Of course he wanted it, and it turns out the community needed it. Jack kept the bohemian spirit of the place alive for the rest of his life, working with a skeleton crew of dedicated folks, keeping the budget tight, the stories flowing. My dad knew, it's, it's this place, what makes O'Connell's O'Connell's and what has given it this kind of continuity was my father. Um, it started as a place where... You know, Allen Ginsberg came into O'Connell's um, one night and sort of held court, and my it just blew my dad's mind. I mean, it was my dad, Allen Ginsberg, and like four other people in the bar all night long. I mean, and just they were just orating. It was just an oratory of just you know they were just discussing life, and my dad is just behind the bar working like. <laughs> Other famous so, musicians, uh, artists, but, poets. Uh, it's what Jack grew up with. He wanted to talk about art and ideas. He's the kind of conversationalist, it sounds like, you dream will pour you a drink from across the bar. I think the thing that has made this place successful is um, what my dad originally did, which was you know hire good people and get out of their way, let them do their job, um, don't micromanage, but also don't change anything. You know, um, people come in here and they say, you know, I haven't been here in 20 years and it's exactly the same. It's like, yeah, you know, there's no need to change anything about this. Now, that's the customer perspective. From my perspective, when you pull the curtain back, yeah, there's a lot that, you, that we needed to do and I've done. But from the customer perspective, really nothing's changed. Except in John's life, in the story of O'Connell's, everything has changed. Yeah, I mean, it. <laughs> what, what's interesting is that O'Connell's went through a total change 
um, in the middle of the pandemic. So it was March of 2020. You know, we closed right before St. Patrick's Day, had all the food. At the time, my dad was alive and my cousin was running the restaurant. I was, I was in corporate America. I've been in corporate America for 25 years. Okay, so, pardon me. so that's my background. The bar was a constant for him. He grew up here. The staff was like his family. But an actual family member, his cousin, had been running the place for the last several years while Jack primarily focused on the antiques business he ran from upstairs. He was an authority on arts and crafts, period, textiles, Native American works, and Missouri painters because, of course, he was. What a fascinating guy. However, in that time, he kept a close eye on the business, and John says his dad just wasn't thrilled with how things were going. It became apparent once his father passed away last June, he would have to take over. We just worked our tails off and got the place in shape so that it could open on August 17th, the day after I turned 50, which was interesting. <laughs> how did you know you wanted to keep it open, reopen it, I guess? How did you know that this was the right move and it shouldn't just be closed and buried? Oh, God. <laughs> That's unthinkable. It's, um, I, no. How much of it do you think had to do with the fact that you were, especially in that moment, looking at your dad's legacy? I don't know if I ever thought about it as a legacy. I mean, this is the house that Jack built. Um, there's so much history. I mean, I was talking to Daryl Mixon. Here, John slips it. into another story uh, about another St. Louis uh, creative type who knew his dad, uh, who found themselves guy. at O'Connell's over Darryl the years. Is, These stories, uh, they're John treasures, Mixon. I can tell. I mean, the amount of people that I've talked to about O'Connell's Pub and my dad and what it's meant to them, I mean, it's, you're talking about people's lives here and how much this place has meant to them. It may be weird that a bar but if you're from St. Louis, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. You know, that, you know, people went on their first date with the person they ended up marrying at O'Connell's Pub. I, I'm willing to bet there's a thousand couples in St. Louis right now as we sit here that went on their first date at O'Connell's Pub. It wasn't a first date, but it was an early date with it was my an fiance. Early date. Yeah, right. yeah. I'm showing I mean, him my engagement right just, here. You know, this place has just been a constant in St. Louis for so long. Going back to Gaslight Square, and certainly since moving here in 1972. So the idea of not only keeping O'Connell's open, but keeping it open in the right way. You know, you gotta, you, you, you had to change nothing and yet, at the same time, there was a lot that needed to happen. So, I just know this place. I would have never gone into a bar or restaurant if it wasn't for O'Connell's. Uh, there's no, I was not looking to do this. You know, but this, it's different. this is, as, it, this, there's no option. It's, this place needs to be here. So, I'm gonna do it for about 20 years and then see what happens. You know, um, I, I know how to do it right. You know, I know what it's supposed to look like because I was really close to my dad. So the only way to know how to do this place right is to know the mind of Jack Parker. That's it. Um, he, uh, you know, it, it wasn't, it's not that it was complicated, it's just that 
it was there was a, an integrity, there was an authenticity, there was a, a matter of mutual respect with the employees and with the with the patrons um, that was really important and a humility. When he opened, they had expanded to a patio in the parking lot, a concept John himself called ridiculous, but it's what he had to do. It's what so many people had to do. In August of 2020, man, that was a different time. That was pre-vaccine, you know, and so we were all just making it up as we went. And they've remained COVID cautious. John posted on Facebook back in August of this year. Anyone old enough to get vaccinated needs to be to come inside the restaurant. Quote, if you aren't vaccinated or don't plan to be vaccinated, don't come. Ever. All of this is preventable. We're at that point. You know, just go get the vaccine, man. And for whatever reason, people are making... I've been called a fascist and a Nazi. And I'm, I'm like, guys, look, the fascists fought the... You know, the fascists... No, I've been, I've been called a fascist and a communist. I'm sorry. So I'm either a fascist or a communist, but I can't be both. I mean, know your history, man. The fascists fought the communists. I mean, millions of people died. I mean, it was, it was just like, you know, look, it, this is insane. You know, these are medical doctors with, who have spent their whole lives studying infectious disease who are begging us to get vaccinated. That's who I'm listening to. I'm going to ride the storm out. I'm going to take some blows. I'm going to do something that's not necessarily popular. And I'm going to tell people, look, you, you know, you, you can't come to an Irish, a crowded Irish pub if you're not vaccinated. And we'll weather the storm of it being unpopular for a little while. And this time next year, I'll know that nobody died because they were in my pub. You know, and we'll get through it. We'll get through the unpopular stance of saying you got to be vaccinated to come here. And, you know, if people listen to the infectious disease experts and the medical doctors who are telling us to get vaccinated and we're vaccinated to the point of herd immunity, then we'll be able to have a hell of a party on March 17th, 2022. And I plan on doing that. We've talked so much on the podcast about employee shortages. I mean, we've talked about that in real life, employee shortages. Um, and that's something that's, you know, impact hasn't really impacted the folks at O'Connell's Pub, he says, because they have so many people who are just career employees. It has, however, impacted this podcast booth of the past couple <laughs> weeks. I'm sitting in the booth now once again with producer Dory Olmos. Hello there. We're back. It's been a hot minute. It's been a little bit. And a cold minute, and a cool minute, and a rainy minute. It's been a minute since we've been in the booth. I heard it was a very hot time here in St. Louis yes. a couple weeks ago, but I was on the West Coast in the Pacific Northwest where it was very breezy and just beautiful weather. 70s. It got a little chilly even at times. It's fantastic. Is your Instagram account public? Yes. Okay, Get on Dory's Instagram because look at some of these vacation photos she's posted and just like like step step into them for a moment. Yes. It's your moment of zen. If you're in the middle of your work day and you're listening to this podcast, like pause whatever else you're doing on your computer, get your phone out, look at her Instagram post because it's just so fantastic. Where all'd you go again? 
Oh, we went to three states. We went to California, Oregon, and Washington. A road trip from Napa to Seattle, basically, mm. all along the coast. Oh, it was just gorgeous. So beautiful. I'm ready to go back. I know. You're like lighting up right now talking <laughs> yes, about it. Yes, I could tell a million stories, but we don't have time for that. Maybe we'll do a special episode where Dory and your husband get in here and just like help us plan a vacation because it looks like you guys know what you're doing with that. I think we're experts at the road trip at this point. Yeah, we yeah. can do it. <laughs> I love that. Um, it was also very hot where I was the first week before you went on vacation because I also went on vacation down to Austin, Texas. Mm. Very warm. Um, it was fun. It was I'd never been to Austin before, and it's a cool little city. Uh, but then, so I was off for a week. You were off for a couple of weeks. Then we had to delay it because of all sorts of breaking news. Um, you know, I wound up traveling down for the hurricane, and it's just it's been it's been a minute. So now we're back and uh, happy to be bringing y'all another podcast episode with a lot of food news and weekend events to let you guys know about. Yeah, I tried to keep it positive. As we come back, right? I like it. Yes. So we're going to start off with a new list from Open Table. They put together the America's 100 Best Neighborhood Gems. There was only one Missouri restaurant that made this list. And, of course, it was right here in the St. Louis area. Mm-hmm. Trattoria Marsala. Mm. It's on Watson in the Lindenwood Park neighborhood. And if my mom is listening, yes, it's the restaurant right down the street from you. So you've got to <laughs> go there sometime. Now, to make it onto this list, they had to have a lot of reviews and good ones. And they also had to have phrases like neighborhood gem and outdoor dining. So Trattoria Marsala had more than 1,200 reviews with a 4.8 star rating, which I think is really good on Open Table. I love this. um, And congratulations to those folks. I will say I think that we have a lot of neighborhood gems in St. Louis. Very true. And I think that that's one of the things I like the most about You know, it can be tough sometimes when you're trying to, like, travel to St. Louis because some places it's one neighborhood where all the good restaurants are. It's one street or something like that. Mm -hmm. Here, so many of our best restaurants are neighborhood gems, and so you have to kind of seek them out a little bit. Um, And so I wonder – I think – We could probably come up with a whole big list just Mm -hmm. in the St. Louis area, but it's one to see one. It's nice to see one getting some national recognition. Yes, exactly, exactly. So this next one's a little bit of good news and bad news, kind of mixed all into one. So fresh French restaurant in Cottleville, Stone Soup Cottage, announced they're going to be reopening. But then in their announcement, they also said they're going to be closing Mm -hmm. permanently next year. Um, this restaurant is known for having tasting dinners. They're reopening this coming Friday, next Friday, actually. They're going to have in-person dining at the, uh, at the restaurant there on Fridays and Saturdays, but Carl and Nancy McConnell said they are planning to close next June after 12 years in business. They were thankful for the support they've received over the years and said that they're just looking forward to what is calling them in the future. So a mixed bag there. Here's something that I think is really exciting to see happening in the city of St. Louis. It's an event that's already happened, but uh, we wanted to tell you about it anyway. Yeah, and this was a top story on our website earlier this week. So Taste of Black St. Louis, not only doing really well, but it is continuing to grow over the last couple years. It was this past weekend at City Foundry. More than 20,000 people enjoyed the sights, smells, and sounds. This is their third festival since 2018. Obviously, they kind of had to shift things a little bit last year. Um, Founder Aisha James said the event has grown from one day to now three Mm -hmm. and from 45 vendors to nearly 100 this year. And then obviously there was a big event 
space change. They were in Tower Grove Park previously, and now they're in the brand new city foundry. So this is something I want us all to keep on our radar for next year. Expect it to get even bigger. Yeah, I'm the only, my only regret is we were planning on being back uh, with a new episode before Taste of Black St. Louis, so we could let you all know about it in case you didn't know it was happening, but you know, news happens. Um, And so yes, to Dory's point, keep it on your radar. Um, It is getting to be a bigger and bigger deal. Of course, we're talking about Taste of St. Louis coming in uh, not this weekend but next weekend that'll be a thing again so but Taste of Black St. Louis this whole time has been growing and um, it's very cool to see by how much 100 nearly 100 vendors that's wild and I'm sure if you go to their social media they'll have a whole list of vendors there so you can taste them out on your own time absolutely I love that idea hey speaking of good ideas and scary ideas, I guess you could say. Oh, yes. Um, it's spooky season once again, and the folks who always come up with such creative ideas are back at it in the Central West End. Yes, the Lazy Tiger guys are bringing back their Corpse Reviver Halloween pop-up bar. So the Central West End Cocktail Bar is putting on a new theme this year. It's going to be a haunted circus, which if that is your thing... <laughs> By all means, you can go. Um, I'm I'm not. I'm yes. Well, we'll get there. Okay, so you can expect all kinds of decorations, special spooky cocktails, and here's why I am hesitant. They're gonna have some crazy clown scare performers there on select days, and that is a big old nope from me. That is a nope from Dory. <laughs> I would love to know who's like, yeah, I love clowns. Clowns are awesome. Like, let us know. Are you that person who loves clowns? Or is there... Is I don't know if I want to know. <laughs> You're like, please stop listening to this podcast. <laughs> like, do you have to say creepy clowns anymore? Or, you know, I feel bad for the people who are just like, I just like making balloon animals, yeah, man. that's like, true. I just like, like that. riding around on a unicycle and just like wearing funny wigs. Like, clown culture has been given a bad name. True. I'm Maybe, not helping maybe they can start their uh their tour de saving face uh after halloween though because <laughs> this is not going to help them but you know help. i'm sure that there's something about this that's not scary Dory. yes so the good part about all of this is that a dollar from each cocktail is going to be donated to the aclu our friends there at lazy tiger typically do this with their special events they donate to different causes um corpse reviver is going to be located inside lazy tiger so that's where you'll need to go it goes from october 6th through 30th and all you spooky season enthusiasts can reserve your hour-long experience online dory i know that normally we ask what the best thing is we had to eat this week but we're going to mix it up since it's been weeks and weeks and weeks since we've done the podcast the longest break i think we've ever taken Mm -hmm. um what's the best thing you've had to eat recently so i'm gonna go back to my vacation for sure um went up to the pacific northwest and I was trying to think of what was the best thing we had that whole time. And I, I wound up, keep I kept thinking about this one meal that we had in Depot Bay, Oregon, because it kind of wrapped in everything that we did on that trip. We had a lot of great seafood. We saw a lot of beautiful nature. So this stop in Depot Bay was it. We had just gone on a whale tour where we got to see some resident gray whales out in Depot Bay. Insane. They were so close to us. One of them literally scared me because it was probably about 15 feet from me, but it was such a cool experience. Wow. So after we got off the boat from there, we went to a restaurant that was right next door. I can't remember the name of it entirely. Some kind of whale pun, I'm sure. Some kind of whale pun that, yeah, we did not (laughs) eat whale though. I can promise you that. Um, 
and our table just looked out on the bay. So we could see the boats and the whales out there. We also saw a seal or a sea lion. I can't remember. Um, and it was just a great experience to be able to enjoy some some beautiful views while eating some tasty food. Got some fish and chips, um, which is something I've been craving since the last time we were up in the Pacific Northwest. It's fish that's fried, like kind of like you get at a fish fry or a mm-hmm. Long John Silver's. But it's not cod or tilapia it's salmon and it's just which you don't get a lot of fried salmon no you don't get that it's just it's kind of a weird thing but it should be more it should be more places so i was looking forward to getting that on the trip definitely found it with some great views had a a nice craft beer from a place up there and it was just it was a nice experience a nice lovely afternoon it sounds crisp and brisk and lovely yes that is not what the weather was like when I was in Austin, but I have to give a shout out to the taco culture of Austin. My goodness, I ate a lot of good tacos. I think I ate tacos. Actually, I lost count, but I took a lot of pictures of them. Mm-hmm. I never noted where they were from. So really bad food reporting on my end. <laughs> but that means it was good because you were like just chowing down. <laughs> exactly. I think we're both the same way where we're constantly taking pictures of our food and then they go nowhere. But yep. um, so shout out there. But I wanted to say the best thing I've eaten um, in St. Louis is the fig and prosciutto burrata from Katie's Pizza and Pasta. A place I know we give a lot of shout outs to, but I'd never tried this um, before. And it was my first time eating in there in forever and this was just a delightful like big old blob of cheese is the sexiest way you can put it probably (laughs) uh, with the burrata and then the figs there which Dora I know you're not like always a big fan of but Mm -hmm. again it was with prosciutto that was just melt in your mouth and then it added like a little bit of sweetness Mm -hmm. and they were so soft you could spread them right across the really deliciously toasted crostini and then it had a little drizzle of honey on it too so it hit all the senses. That hits a lot of things for me that I think a blob of cheese is probably one way that you could get me to eat dates. But then you throw in the honey and the prosciutto and, mm-hmm. and all. And yeah, I'll be in for that. I wonder why nobody's ever asked us to write their menu. I think it's a blob <laughs> of cheese. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> so we're talking about the weekend of September 17th through 19th because... It's already freaking end of sub- mid-September, and I it's my podcast host's duty to mention the, how crazy it is that time flies. <laughs> and so we want you to be able to seize every moment, and that's why we put together a list of fun things happening this weekend for you, starting with Friday. It's Sauce Food Truck Friday in Tower Grove Park once again. Uh, 20 different food and drink trucks will be lining up with all sorts of options, not just food, burgers, barbecue, Thai food, pizza, even popsicles and ice cream. They also, don't forget, have a lot of great drink selections. They have beer, frozen cocktails, even seltzers. So bring your friends, bring your pups, and cozy up because that should be a really nice night in Tower Grove Park. And then if you're looking for something that you can go to any day this weekend, Friday through Sunday is... Das Bevo Oktoberfest, again with the October and (laughs) crazy fall of festivals. I guess that makes sense, though. Um, So this is going on all weekend at Das Bevo, which is, as we all know, Bevo Mill, the big old windmill out there. Um, They're promising more beer, food, polka, and ridiculousness this year, in case you needed that added (laughs) to the list. Um, There will be a Stein holding contest on Friday, and then on Saturday you can listen to a 15-piece brass band. I'm sure they're going to sound amazing there in the windmill, the Bevo Mill. Um, (laughs) And then you can also participate in the yodeling contest. Abby, I know you're ready. I'm sorry, you said yodeling contest. I got to start warming up my pipes now. (laughs) I got to warn my neighbors. (laughs) 
Oh, those poor pups. <laughs> <laughs> the dogs will be like, Mom, you sing like us. <laughs> uh, and then on Saturday, if you need another reason to swing on by, strap on your lederhosen and your dirndl and participate in a best-dressed contest with prizes for humans and your pups. Oh, my gosh. Mia's been missing putting on her sexy lederhosen <laughs> outfit. That's a fun option for Sunday. Okay, so Friday through Saturday, there's another event that both of us just uh, – like, this is one of our favorites, I think, around St. Louis, and it always seems to be difficult for us to make it there. Yes, yes. Um, but if you can squeeze this into your very busy weekend, we recommend it because the great Forest Park balloon race is back in the Emerson Central Fields of Forest Park. So one of the things I love the most is the uh, glow that's happening on Friday. Uh, the uh, kind of events, you know, food, music, that kind of stuff starts around 5 p.m. The balloons are going to start firing up then, and then – once it gets dark, you'll be able to see them glow, and then you'll be able to just kind of walk around and check those out, take your pictures, or just, they never look as good in pictures, so just look at them. Just They're look just at beautiful. Them. And then the fireworks will happen at 9.15. Also just better to watch than to try to take a picture of. Yes. Um, but then on Saturday, they're also having the, the, uh, more family fun activities around noon, but then that's when the race actually happens. So... The balloons launch around 4.30, and that's all, again, happening at the central fields of Forest Park. But wherever you happen to be, if you're within the vicinity of Forest Park or just in St. Louis, mm-hmm. uh, make sure you look up at the skies on Saturday afternoon because that's always a fun sight to see. Yes, and you never know where they might head or where they might land. Right. You just never know. Maybe they'll land um, over at Schlafly Tap Room. Yeah, another big event happening there. Schlafly's Hop in the City Festival is back It's one of their biggest events of the year, and it's going to be a little bit different this year from the previous years. So previously you had to have a ticket, and then that got you a sample of all of the the beers. But this year, entry is free, no ticket required, and instead you go in and you buy whichever beers you want in individual serving. So a little bit of a change there, but plenty of options, still more than 40 beers on tap, including a few festival exclusive brews and that is going from noon to five at the tap room this one sounds like a lovely opportunity to get to old webster if you haven't been in a while because on saturday their jazz and blues festival is happening you can soak in non-stop jazz and blues from two stages so this isn't like you show up and wait for music to play there will always be some tunes flowing it's a family-friendly event it's also free and they'll have food and drinks out from several of the local restaurants there it sounds like a lovely way to spend your saturday evening yes and then if you're looking for something saturday and sunday the saint Louis Lebanese Festival is happening at St. Raymond's. This is an event for me that I always want to get to and just never seem to be able to um, because I'm out of town or super busy or something, but they're your people. They're my people. I'm I'm part Lebanese, so I just need to get out there, want to get out there, grab my (laughs) mom and aunt and cousin one year and we'll head there. But this is their 54th year, so I have a feeling it'll be around for a few more (laughs) years. Um, The two-day event is going to feature authentic Middle Eastern cuisine, Lebanese beer, wine, raffles, music, and dancing. Mm, Lebanese dancing, are you good at that? Yes, but <laughs> don't ask me to try it. Don't put me on the spot. Wait, hold on. Podcast, just picture it. Dory's <laughs> dancing right now in the booth. You won't be able to see, but it's fantastic. Wait, now you're actually dancing. No, I don't even know how to Lebanese dance. <laughs> I wish I did. We could have pretended. I'm oh, sorry. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. St. Louis is a Five on Your Side production. I'm Abby Larico, And I'm Dory Olmos. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Um, we hope that you had a great past couple of weeks, but we will be back in your 
feed. Next week, as usual, we'll be back to dropping every Thursday for you with a food story, the big news you need to know about, and fun things to do over your weekend. If you love that as much as we love bringing it to you, leave us a rating and a review as well. Let us know whatever food stories you're thinking about or what you get into this weekend on our Instagram. We're at Abby Eats St. Louis. You can also hit us up at podcast at KSDK.com. Have a great weekend. Tag us in your pictures and seize the plate. <laughs>